Thank you for listening to our midweek service from Christian Ministry Church. We're praying that this message blesses, encourages, and equips you to build the kingdom of God. Well, I am continuing tonight our Sermon on the Mount series. We have finished chapter 5. We're moving into chapter 6. So if you've got your Bibles, your cellular devices, um, get to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at four verses tonight. Four quick verses. Now, I don't know if I'm going to be quick, but there are four short verses. We're going to start by reading in them, and then I'm going to dive into this. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret, secret will reward you. In chapter 5, Jesus began to teach us in the Sermon on the Mount what true righteousness looks like. And he begins with the Beatitudes. We walked through all of those, a series of short proverb-like sayings that describe how God's people will flourish. And they will be rewarded, but they'll, we, we begin to see they'll also be persecuted for living this way. He also teaches us in Matthew 5 that God's laws are good and that he came to fulfill them. And we're not to abolish God's law, but to walk them out as Jesus begins to change us from the inside out. Now, when we get to Matthew 6, Jesus begins to switch gears because people would begin hearing the things that Jesus was saying. And just in that Jewish culture and what they've grown up, with, grown up in, thoughts would begin to come out as like, how great would I look if I lived like he's saying? How good would I look to other people if I live like he's saying? And I would say that even in society today, even in Christian society, we are obsessed with what is seen rather than what is real. <laughs> and, and oftentimes what Jesus is addressing here is as long as we look like a disciple, it's okay if we're not one. As long as we look like it, it's okay if we're not one. Christine Kane said, we live in a time because of social media that we believe what is unseen to man is unimportant to God. When we see here, what Jesus teaches us is it's actually the opposite. Because tonight I'm going to talk to you about giving and as he sets the stage. But in the coming weeks, we're talking about Jesus also addresses us with prayer and fasting as well. He's going to teach us what, that, that true righteousness is only true righteousness when it's practiced with true motives. And so he begins to really get to the heart on the matter. The focus in chapter 5 was out your, outward behavior with respect to practical acts of righteousness. But now the focus is going to switch to our inner motivations before God. Because we all kind of slip into this propensity to do good works for the wrong reasons. Like, dang it. <laughs> to be seen by men rather than by God. And that was Jesus' biggest issue with the Pharisees. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 5, he's, he talks about how they do all their good works just to be seen by men. So we need to know tonight, it is possible to do the right thing for the wrong reasons. And maybe it's not the right thing unless it's done for the right reasons. We're all tempted with an outwardness of religion. We want people to believe that we are doing better than we actually are. And I can say amen and amen to that because I have to stand before you oftentimes on this stage 
And oftentimes, I find myself wanting people to believe that I'm doing better than I actually am. It's, it's a scary place to be vulnerable. It's a scary place to be transparent in what's actually going on in your life and what you're struggling with and the thoughts that you have. And so we're all tempted with this outwardness, this outward religion to make ourselves and dress ourselves look better than we're actually doing. It's real easy to brag about our righteousness, but if we're bragging about our righteousness, we're usually bragging about our self-righteousness, which God would call in Isaiah that they're filthy rags. And if you want to do a word study on that, that's disgusting. So <laughs> I will not talk about it here. <laughs> and we say like, well, shouldn't we look good to everybody? Like, you know, in Matthew 5, he talked about being a city on a hill, like we're salt and light. Aren't we supposed to shine before everyone? How can we shine before everybody? How can we give to the poor? How, how, how can we do that completely in secret if we're supposed to shine? So people should see some of the good things that we're doing, right? They should see us pray. So, so is Jesus contradicting himself here? No, because it's all in a matter of who you're trying to glorify. It's all in a matter of who you're trying to glorify. Do you want to shine the light so that you look good or so that you bring your Father glory? When we live the way that, call, the God, the way that God calls us to, we actually naturally begin to supernaturally shine. And it's not that, but it's got to come from not, we don't aim at shining. We aim at him. And as we aim at him, we begin to shine. When we, we aim at shining, we'll never be bright enough and we'll begin to become fake because we'll want to be brighter than we actually are. And so the goal isn't to aim at shining. It's, it's, it's to aim at him because he is the light and his light is the life of man. Okay. That's a good point, Josh. <laughs> We got to understand the kingdom, that's our theme this year, is not meant to be lived mechanically. When we focus on checking all the boxes and getting every little thing right, we become very mechanical and, and exclusively principled. But the kingdom was actually never meant to be lived exclusively principled. It was live, meant to be lived exclusively intimate. The kingdom is all about the king. And, and you can aim at the kingdom and miss the king. And you can actually, what's dangerous, about, what's dangerous about these kingdom principles is that they work. If you begin to live out some of the things that Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, you're going to be blessed because it's the way that God designed life to work. But it's a dangerous place to be because you can live those things out and you can completely miss him. And the main thing that I want, want us to see tonight is it's not, the, it's not the physical reward that we get. It's not the reward that we get after we die. He is the reward. The point is, is that we get him. We get Jesus. The father gave us gifts. He gave us the son and he gave us the Holy Spirit. And while that may come with some physical manifestations of blessing, the, those are not the point because Jesus actually told his disciples, like, you're going to be blessed, you're going to be rewarded, but you're also going to be persecuted. And so what happens when you're living these kingdom principles and in, in, in financial blessing and divine health and in diff, relationship wrestling and all these things begin to come and then you get persecuted and you haven't been living in relationship with the king? Well, then you think that you're doing something wrong and you actually may not be doing something wrong. You may be doing something right but you'll turn and blame God because now the reward is not lining up physically like I thought that it would. When if he's the aim, even if the physical reward gets taken away, you still have him and it doesn't shake you and shipwreck your faith. Can I have an amen? 
Man, I usually don't like to steal Paul's line there, but come on. I want to amen myself. (laughs) Jesus is good. So it's all a matter of what motivates us. The kingdom was meant to be lived relationally. And as we live it relationally, it's through intimacy that he empowers us to live out his his way. So what motivates you? Letting your light shine so that others will praise you or letting your light shine so that others will glorify your father. So the point is not, it's not look at me. It's I want you, like through me, you see him. And so it causes you to glorify him. And my goodness, I just wish that I could, well, sometimes I wish that I could take you back and show you who I was at 19 years old and show you who I am now. And, and, and then the point is, it's like, wow, God is real because he doesn't look anything like he used to look like. He doesn't act anything like he used to act. He's been completely changed. Like it, literally, you'll see a dead man at 19, and now you'll see resurrected, or a dead boy, rather, at 19, immature, needy, addicted, lonely, really messed up. And then you see me now at 32, and it's like, man, Jesus is really, really, really good. And the point is, is that you would see him. I was even telling our High Point campers last week, is like, the, the, the point is not to get you here to camp to encounter me, or to encounter the counselors or to encounter the other teachers. The point is, is to get you in here so that you encounter Jesus, so that you encounter him. So don't, don't become a fan of the messenger, fall in, uh, fall in love with the, the, or don't become a fan of the mailman. Fall in love with the, ma- the man who sent the message, right? Come on. <laughs> righteousness before men to be noticed by men is self-righteousness. Righteousness that God accepts is his character reproduced in and through us for his good pleasure. Then when others see the supernatural righteousness in our lives, they give glory to God. Jesus has clearly shown us God's righteous standard, and perhaps he even anticipated the thought of, wouldn't everybody be impressed if I was like that? So Jesus begins to address the danger of cultivating an image of righteousness. Now, it's almost impossible to do spiritual things in front of others without wondering what their opinion is about you. But the point is, is to get to a place where you don't care because you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for him. <laughs> So the question tonight is, would you rather have a a reward from man or from God? The point is not to be seen by men for the praise of men, because Jesus says here, that is the only reward that you'll see. (laughs) The point, and, and, and Jesus' whole point is not that you don't get a reward, it's just which reward do you want? And so if you do it so that everybody will cheer for you and pat you on the back and talk about how awesome you are, like Jesus says, that's fine, that's your reward. And you're not going to get rewarded from your father. And you're not going to get rewarded on the other side of things for that. But if the goal is, I want to do it for a reward from him, not to be praised by man. And whether man praises me or not, I'm okay. Oftentimes when we're, <laughs> when we're looking for the applause of men, we, we will get it. And that's all we'll ever get. That's all we'll ever get. And you've heard it said before, like if you live by the praise of men, you're going to die by the praise of men. Because you'll just constantly be doing things in order to get the applause from man. But that's not the point of our life. To get the applause of man is to gain something very meager and fleeting as a reward. And lose something precious and of eternal value. The idea is when we do righteous deeds for the attention and applause of men, their attention and applause is our reward. And it's much better to receive a reward from our Father in heaven. 
And notice the very clear command of Christ when he starts Matthew chapter 6. Take heed, beware, be careful. (laughs) And the original language really is talking about to like hold on to this. It's not like beware one time. It's like forever beware of this. Forever take heed of this. It's it's the idea of actively uh, holding your mind towards this warning. And, And I would say because... You know, usually just as you live your life and as if you're a follower of Jesus, you will become more and more and more like him. We're predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ, we see in Romans 8. And so we are becoming more and more like him. And so that's a constant warning of take heed because this can slowly, this is like a leaven that slowly like slips in to our thinking and we begin to think of like how awesome we are instead of how awesome he is. We're constantly in danger of falling into the trap of doing our righteous acts to be seen by others. And I would say that maybe the longer you walk with him, the more your life becomes characterized by acts of righteousness, you need to heed this warning even more. It's very, very easy to begin to lose our focus and to slide in, slide from doing them for, the, for his sake, but doing them for our own reputation. We must have righteous motives before God with our good works. Remember, good, good works don't save us, but we are saved unto, do, unto good works. So salvation is a gift, but as we receive that gift, as he changes us, we then begin to do good works for him. And, and you know, there are some people who would say, well, all that's important is, is, is just doing the thing, doing the good work, doing the deed. How do I do it much less than important? <laughs> How? I do it is much less important than doing it. And it isn't true, you know, maybe it's true that doing the right thing the wrong way is better than doing the wrong thing. <laughs> but Jesus' point is clear here. God cares about how we do good works, what motive we do them with. Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 and verses 23 and 24 say, And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you served. So Jesus is condemning the motive, not the deed. Wrong motive means no reward from our Father. Paul even said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, the Lord will come and bring light to the things hidden in darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. In Proverbs, Solomon uh, uh, said this, as, as, uh, Proverbs 27, verse 21, the crucible is for silver and the furnace for gold and a man is tested by the praise accorded to him. His praise can take you out. Man's praise can take us out. Now, I wanna talk about rewards for just a minute and just talk about the difference in reward and salvation. Because it is clear from Scripture that God offers to the lost salvation and for the faithful service of the saved rewards. And I don't want us tonight to get salvation and rewards confused. But we need to distinguish these two things. Salvation is a free gift. We see in John 4.10, Romans 6.23, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Whereas rewards, though, are earned by our good works. So 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 when I talk about rewards, I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation is free. You cannot earn it. But it is clear in Scripture that we can earn rewards. Matthew 10, 42, Luke 19, 17, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25. 
But salvation is a present possession while rewards are something that we are earning. And I will say that we were earning, that we can earn rewards in this life and in the next life. So there are some that will be dispensed in the second coming of Jesus. There will some that will be dispensed in the next life, but there are also some that are dispensed now. Obviously, our soul is saved on the basis of divine grace. There is no room for the building up of merit on the part of a believer, yet God does recognize an obligation on his part to reward his saved ones for their service to him, which is awesome because he doesn't have to. He already saved us, but he wants to give good gifts to his children. (laughs) Nothing can be done to merit salvation, but what the believer has achieved for God's glory, God recognizes with rewards now and at the judgment seat of Christ. So we don't earn salvation, but we do earn rewards. And, it's, and, and again, it's, it's not by striving. Like these good works, like na- as you live in a relationship with him, these good works naturally happen. They're a byproduct of living in relationship with him. And, and, and you know, the whole, the whole first part here of Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, it's all about giving. It's all about giving to other people. It's all about giving to the needy, giving to the poor. Because he doesn't say if you give, he says when you give. Because Jesus understands a regenerated heart is going to do things that he wants to do. And he does want to give to the needy. He does want to give to the poor. He does want to help those who are less fortunate than ourselves. He does want us to give. And because he wants to give. And so it's not if you give, it's when you give. Later he'll talk, it's not if you pray, when you pray. Not if you fast, but when you fast. Because when you live in relationship with him, you have a desire to do these things. So it's not going to come by striving. It's going to come by relationship with him. We see in uh, Matthew chapter 19 with the rich young ruler, it's, it, he, he says, well, how can I get eternal life? Like, what can I do? And he's like, well, you do, the, do all these things. And he's like, okay, you, I do all those things. Well, you lack one thing. Sell all your possessions, come and follow me, follow after me. And he leaves sad, obviously, but then he turns to disciples and begins to talk about like, Peter's like, man, we, we left everything for you. And then Jesus begins to talk about how they're going to be rewarded. Like, if anybody left something for me, you're going to be rewarded greatly. Now, well, it, and it, but he does talk about persecution coming, so we do see that there is reward in this life and in the next. But I do want to say, like, as we see the way that Jesus talks to his disciples about how they left everything and how greatly they're going to be rewarded, I will say to the degree in which we lay our life down for him will be the degree in which we are rewarded. To the degree of right sacrifice for him with the right motive will be the degree in the rewards reaped. Jesus told his disciples, not the crowds, anything you ask in my name, it will be given unto you. He didn't tell the crowds that, he told his disciples that. Why did he tell his disciples that? Because they left everything to follow him. The crowds didn't. What he told the crowds was, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. (laughs) That's not a big crowd pleaser. Obviously, they all ran away after him. (laughs) But he did not stand up in front of them and say, whatever you ask in my name, it'll be done for you. He told that to the ones who left everything to follow him. And so to the degree in which we sacrifice for him will be the degree in which we reap reward for him. Now, I'm not... I'm very charismatic, if you can't tell. Just 
you hear me preach on a Sunday morning and I'm super, super charismatic. <laughs> so I'm not, a, I'm not a, what you would define as a cessationist. Cessationism would believe that the gifts died away with the apostles or they're, you know, they're only bestowed, you know, that God doesn't want to heal everybody. He just wants to sovereignly heal some people, whatever. It's weird theology. We can split needle, hairs, pins and whatever. I can't think I'm sick. Um, I'm not, I'm healed in Jesus name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with that. Um, oh, the, the, the point is, it's like, it is, is perhaps, perhaps we don't see these great moves of God because we haven't paid the price to inherit them. Perhaps cessation is real because, well, that was with just with the apostles. Well, maybe it's for the people who actually live like the apostles. Maybe he's calling us to give up more than we've actually given up. Not saying for your salvation, you're saved. But I'm saying as he begins to call us to give up things and lay down things, as we do that, perhaps we, we, we begin to walk in more of the inheritance that he has available for us right now. I'm preaching to me too. Like, I'm for that. I believe that. It's quiet. <laughs> anyway, I'll say this one last time and then we'll move on. To the degree of a right sacrifice for him with the right motive, will be the degree in which rewards are reaped. Now, rewards don't mean just physical, although they can be part of it. There's physical blessing that comes from doing things God's way, physical rewards, living in the kingdom. It also can come with persecution, but there is a greater reward that takes place. Peace, joy, love, strength that fills our hearts and our minds and him. We get him. Obviously, we can have divine health, and even wealth can be a reward. But he is the ultimate, ultimate reward. We're not to live principally, exclusively, but intimately with him. So even if it's all stripped away, we come out okay. We come out okay. Now, when Jesus begins talking about giving, he's like, don't, don't blow your trumpets. You know, don't, don't toot your own horn, basically is what he's saying. Don't let everybody know what you're giving. <laughs> and understand what you are in public will never blind God to what you are in private. He's more concerned with the secret place than he is the public place. And he says that if we honor him in private, he'll honor us in public. <laughs> and obviously, like, you see this in the secular world for sure. You know, people give, <laughs> it, people give lots of money to different things so they get their name on a building or, you know, on a, a, you know, a college football field or what, you know, their, the hospital gets named after them or whatever. People give lots of money so, that it, so they can get, be recognized. What if you strip all that recognition away? Would they still give as much, right? Well, we as believers, like if we, will we would we give as much if that recognition was taken away? <laughs> Jesus' point is that giving for the express purpose that others honor us and think good of us, <laughs> our extravagant generosity is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, that's what he's, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be someone who sounds the trumpet to project the image of generosity. Don't call attention to your giving. And he says he uses hypocrite a lot in, this, in these passages, but mainly he was talking to scribes and Pharisees. They were, they were men who were acting apart. You know, their whole idea of religion consisted in outward observances. But in their hearts, they were full of bitterness, envy, pride, and arrogance. Jesus goes so far to say, like, hide it from yourself. Like, right? Don't, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Hide it from your flesh. 
I think it's good if like, if you want to, if God calls you to give something big, like if he calls you to, to bless someone big time, do it quickly and then, and then run away from it. Don't think about it. Don't, don't in your own mind, be patting yourself on the back and think about how awesome of a person you are. Just do it and move on. Give and move. That's just a simple, practical thing. Give and move on quickly. Don't think about how amazing you are. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Don't shake your own hand and congratulations. I'm awesome. <laughs> now, as people may ask, well, I gave in secret and somebody found out about it. Does that disqualify me? The issue is not whether someone finds out. The issue is what is your motive? What is your motive? God sees your heart. <laughs> he sees your heart. So it doesn't matter who finds out because you, like, if, if, it's, if it's not for your own self-gratification, you will be rewarded by him. If someone founds out we've given something, does that mean that we automatically lose our reward? No, the issue again is back to motive. If we give for our own glory, it doesn't matter if anyone finds out or not, we still have no reward from God. But if we give for God's glory, it doesn't matter who finds out because your reward will remain because you gave with the right motive. <clears throat> when a man gives, the world asks, what does he give? And Christ asks, how does he give? The what, the how much does not matter to God. It matters how. You know, in Mark chapter 12, the lady that gave two copper coins, and there was, Jesus was watching people bring offering into the temple, and these guys who were very wealthy were giving lots of wealth, and this lady walks in with two copper coins that nobody else notices, and, it's, and she gives, and Jesus says what she gave surpasses all of them because she gave all that she had. He actually says all that she had to live on is what she gave. And these other guys were given way more and would have gotten way more recognition and people would have plotted them. But this, this little old lady that gave her two copper coins, all that she had to live on, Jesus says she gave more than all of them. So it, does, it's not, it, doesn't matter in the, it doesn't matter in the how much, it matters in the motivation. The manner of giving shows the character of the giver more than the gift itself. And then in at the end, in verse 4, he's, he's talking about how our Father wants to reward us, that he himself wants to give us a reward. I would say any praise from God, any reward from his hands is of priceless value. I want a reward from him. Not because, and, and I, don't, I don't care if it's extravagant, I just want it because it's from him. From him. easiest way that I could think of to describe this of how my heart longs for this is that that uh, every every birthday every Christmas every Father's Day um, my my kids give me homemade gifts and usually they're just paper that's been colored on and taped together but it means way more to me than any extravagant gift that anybody else gives me Why? Because it's not a matter of the reward that you're getting. It's a matter of who it's from. And I want a reward from my Father in heaven. I don't care how extravagant it is. Because it's from him, it means more than any, than, than any gift from anybody else. Because it's from him. <laughs> it's the intent. The Father gave us his Son, and now he's given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit 
continually gives us all kind of gifts. He's so good. He's so good. Charles Spurgeon said, keep the things so secret that even yourself are hardly aware that you are hardly aware that you are doing anything at all praiseworthy. Praiseworthy. Let God be present and you will have enough of an audience. The best part of Christian work is the part that only God sees. A.W. Tozer said, before the judgment seat of Christ, my service will not be judged by how much I have done, but how much of me there was in it. I think about the boy who gave his lunch to feed 5,000. We don't know his name. We don't know his name. We as believers need to be like this boy where we give all that we have. We embrace obscurity. That we are content with being unknown so that Christ can be made more known. It was Satan's disposition that desired to be seen. Our goal is not to be attractive so that people come to us. The goal is that we would be a city on a hill so that people come to him. Amen? It's 8 o'clock. I'm done. Y'all stand with me. Me and Lucas will be here at 8 tomorrow morning. Anybody that can join us, we love you, church. We'll see you uh, Sunday. Uh, Pastor Paul's preaching. I'm really excited about what God has put on his heart. Let's pray. God, we, we honor you tonight. Lord, help us to be givers that, not, that aren't doing it so that we can make a name for ourselves, but so that we can make a name for you. God, fill us with your love and kindness that, that, that we would see people the way that you see them, that we would want to give in love and kindness, that, uh, that it would activate something in someone's heart, that they would come to know you because of the goodness of you. Not because of the goodness of us, but because you have changed us. You have given us your heart and your mind. We're not, we're not blessed just so that we can have our little bless me club, our little country club for Christians. You've blessed us so that we can be a blessing to other people. Use this place to really be a city on a hill where the lost find home. God, we give for you. Not for recognition, but for you. We desire reward from you, closeness with you, relationship with you. Lord, I thank you for each and every person here tonight. I speak divine health over them. Lord, as they live in relationship with you, I ask for your blessing to be on them. Lord, protect them. Keep them safe. Give them courage and boldness to shine bright from you and their families, in their homes, and their workplaces this week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. Love y'all. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.